Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Supervalue Insurance. Offering sound advice for your car, home and travel insurance needs. Tweet at Miriam O'Call. Now, Steve Bakshall is an adventurer and naturalist who makes TV documentaries about some of the most impressive creatures on Earth. He was adventurer in residence for the National Geographic Channel and he makes shows for the BBC Natural History Unit. He did ditch his boots and backpack to take part also in Strictly Come Dancing in 2014. But he's more at home, kayaking, diving or climbing mountains, seeking out the rarest and sometimes the most dangerous species. Well, he's coming to Dublin very soon with his stage show Ocean and he's on the line now. Good morning, Steve Bakshall. Hello, hello. How are you? Very good. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I'm, I'm in the middle of a, a crazy, crazy tour, so my feet have barely touched the ground, but having a lot of fun doing it. Listen, just for our listeners, Steve, will you give us the potted career history, please? How did you first become an adventurer and a naturalist? It, it's a long old road and, and um, quite a convoluted one. So I, I started off as a writer in the late 1990s. I did a whole bunch of expeditions, including trying to walk across New Guinea on my own solo, which I failed dismally at. But then I got taken on by the National Geographic as their adventurer in residence. I did that for five years and then uh, moved to the BBC in the early 2000s. Then I came up with my own series, which was called Deadly 60, and that's run for 15, 16 years now, which mostly goes to uh, young people and families all around the world. I get to come for the first time over to Dublin with my, my show. Did you say as a little boy, did you always enjoy the riskier side of things? I mean, were you the one who climbed highest, died from the highest rock, picked up every creepy crawler you could see? I did. But you know what? I mean, in, in my younger years, particularly in my teens, um, my passions, particularly for the natural world, were, were not seen as being cool at all. And I think if I could go back to my young self and say to them, this is what you're going to end up doing for, for a living, for a job. And it's awesome. And just them know that that's OK, that it's, it's cool to like butterflies and beetles, mm-hmm. that it's, it's OK to, you know, go out um, searching for different kinds of birds and, and, and reptiles on a weekend, that's fine because, you know, I just wasn't very comfortable with myself as a, as a youngster. And, and now I've got this amazing life that I get to lead. And I hope the opportunity to show to a lot of young people that to them it's okay and it can be cool as well. Because, you know, one of the big aims of a, a show like this is to try and get young people into natural history, get young people into marine biology, set them on the path to becoming a conservationist. Now, tell me about some of the tricky situations you have found yourself in when exploring and filming, because you have found yourself in some, haven't you? Yeah, very much so. I I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years now, so it's inevitable that there have been some, you know, pretty full-on moments uh, one of which would definitely have been uh, diving with crocodiles in the Okavango Delta in Botswana. Um, and we had, we had 10 days there, and almost all of the crocodiles we dived alongside completely ignored us. They couldn't have been less interested in us until we found this one big male crocodile who's probably four and a half meters in length. And he came straight at us underwater. And in between my cameraman and I, we've got this incredible footage of this giant crocodile just, you know, coming for us underwater at the bottom of a uh, you know, real murky swamp. And it's one of those moments where you kind of think, you know, we could have lost everything in that, in that second. It's one of the few times that we've 
you know, got things wrong. The flip side of that would be diving with great white sharks outside the cage, which we spent months and months working up to assessing, figuring out the body language of the sharks, when it is possible to swim out with them, when it isn't. And the conclusion of that is getting to share the water with probably the most iconic predator on our planet. So there have been highs, there have been lows, there have been close calls, and there have been, you know, situations that just fill me and my crew with joy. Have you ever been really frightened? Well, I think one of the key things, particularly working with animals, is if you're frightened, then you don't do it. If you're frightened in an animal situation, then you need to step away because fear is is a bad thing when you're working with animals. And that goes, you know, for if you're working with dogs or horses, way up to working with venomous snakes and sharks and crocodiles. It's, it, it is a cliche that animals can sense fear, but it's absolutely true. And you give off signs of stress if you're around animals and you're frightened, which make it more likely that a negative interaction is going to happen. So if you're frightened, you just walk away. Um, so scary moments with animals are few and far between. But then, you know, on expeditions, we've been doing like first descents of whitewater rivers or first descents of mountains. And, you know, the mountains coming apart and there's great big chunks falling off it. And you're nearly getting brained by falling rocks or you're going thundering down a whitewater river and get caught in a, a, a maelstrom, caught in a rapid, caught under a waterfall and, you know, really struggling just to breathe and not to drown. Those are the most frightening. Well, look, let's take a clip. This is you filming Komodo dragons in Indonesia. I cannot believe it's total change in attitude of this animal. No, 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 no. As soon as they got food on the brain, they changed from a slumbering, slow-moving creature into a predatory dinosaur. And all of a sudden, they're not just hunting the meat, they're hunting us. I have to say, I really wasn't expecting this. How do you do that without making people, I suppose, more afraid themselves of the natural world? Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head in that Deadly 60 is very much not about animals being dangerous. So we stay right at the top of every single programme. It's about animals that are deadly in their world, not to us. So if we're dealing with Komodo dragons, it's not about how, how they eat human beings because they don't it's about how they interact with their prey it's about how they interact with each other how they sense the world around them how they've evolved all of those crazy things that go to make up an animal but it is absolutely not about them being dangerous to us so on the show you know we feature dragonflies and kestrels and all kinds of other things that no one could ever perceive were dangerous to us as human beings and if we do deal with a big crocodile or a great white shark we're most likely to deal with it in terms of myth busting and you, yourself, do you have favourite environments, Steve, for exploring, filming, like mountains, oceans, jungles, caves? I mean, you've done them all. Yeah, I would say my favourite environment to be in is either the high mountains or the Arctic. It's somewhere where you, as a human being, feel the most alive, the most vital, the most the most small and vulnerable, apart from anything else, you know, where nature is is bigger than you and it's completely the boss of you. But in terms of um, filming and, and for the job, it's definitely the rainforest to the north of South America. So Venezuela, Colombia, Guyana, Suriname, they have the highest levels of biodiversity, but also it's, it's the only jungle where you really see stuff. 
And I kind of know that if I go out looking for a jaguar or a big green anaconda and I don't find that animal, I'm going to find something else. I'll find a poison dart frog or a bushmaster snake or, you know, something that I can make a part of the programs. Your wife, Helen, of course, Helen Lover, is an amazing Olympic rower. I know you've got three small children. She clearly understands the reasons you do what you do. But do you think fatherhood has made you a little bit more cautious or not? Well, uh, that's a difficult one because I, I definitely don't want to be taking unnecessary risks as a, as a dad of three small kids. But at the same time, this is, this is what I do and it's what I've done for 25 years. And I'm probably more safe doing this than I would be having a job in a big city because I I just I wouldn't be able to handle it and I'm I'm not great with people I'm much much better with animals than I am with human beings <laughs> so um I'm going to keep on doing this but I am going to be more rational I think about the kind of risks that I take a lot of the big expeditions that we did that were that were just nuts and we were all very very lucky to get out without anyone <laughs> getting hurt those I think probably are behind me and I'm, I'm probably not going to be doing any more of those but you know, diving, diving with sharks in the right situation can be as safe as diving with dolphins. It can be considerably safer than cycling around a big city. So that I will, I will definitely continue doing. And sometime in the future, I hope to be able to do it with my kids. I have just earlier this year taken 10 youngsters out to a shark sanctuary in the Caribbean, taught them all how to dive, and then taken them diving with a whole variety of sharks, right up to uh, four and a half meter long great hammerhead sharks which was just such a life-affirming experience, having the opportunity to, to, I guess, discover a whole new generation of marine biologists has been, you know, one of the best things I've ever done. So, uh, yeah, the, the thought that I might be able to do that with my own kids in, I guess, 10 years' time is, is just amazing. Now, tell me about this stage show of yours, Ocean. You're bringing it to Dublin. How does it work? Yes. And is it aimed at children or is it for all ages? So um, I have had everything in, in the show from um, kids of two and three years old to university marine biology professors. And there's something in there for everyone. So there's, there's a lot of good science in there. There's a lot of, of evolution, conservation and physiology. But there's also a lot of terrible dad jokes and stage science, which inevitably goes wrong and outtakes. And we have uh, on stage giant ocean animals scale models of so we have, we have to pick our theaters really carefully because these are enormous so there's lots of visual treats for the youngsters and there's lots of science for the older ones there do tend to be a lot of families that come along um and it is quite a, an interactive environment you know there are there are elements of panto there alongside the um the big blue chip natural history on the big screen so uh, there, there is a bit of something in there for everyone would you have an ambition to do, say, shows for the BBC like Blue Planet or Life on Earth? I suppose those big David Attenborough type programmes that, of course, take months and months of filming. Yeah, well, we did the live versions of those programmes for the BBC. So Blue Planet Live, um, Big Blue Live, Alaska Live were all these massive mega projects where we did those exact kind of things, but we did them completely live and I did a lot of those underwater so I was um, presenting live while diving alongside great hammerheads or diving alongside 
nurse sharks, um, bull sharks even. I did um, blue whales in, in Monterey Bay and, and um, bubble-necking humpback whales off the coast of Alaska. And when it comes to the, you know, the very, very long time in the field programs, I do a certain amount of those. But I don't know whether that will be a part of my future because, you know, I've got three young kids and, and going away for six months at a time mm. to maybe come back with three or four minutes of footage might not be the smartest move for my future. You know, I think I've got to think a lot about the family and about what they want to do and bringing them to the natural world is, is really important to me too. You know, I need to make sure that they are connected to nature. They're connected to wildlife because uh, it, it's so important for them. Now, Steve, I know it's a few years since you were on Strictly, but everyone says it's an experience that stays with them. It's on now, of course. Are you proud of what you did on that show? And do you still dance? Yeah, I I don't dance very much. I I think the thing that I took away from it more than ever, I, I mean, I went much further in the show than I expected to. I went to week nine. Um, and for someone like me who spends their entire life sleeping out in the jungle under a bit of leaky tarpaulin to all of a sudden be surrounded by endless paparazzi and wearing the slinky outfits and the spray tans and all that kind of stuff was it was a once in a lifetime thing but also the the most the most important thing about it is that I had all of these friends who came from totally different backgrounds people that I would never have have an opportunity to meet and interact with normally and so you know I went out clubbing with Mark Wright and with, you know, the lovely Caroline Flack. I, I went to see Pixie Lock and, and singing live. I went to Wimbledon with Judy Murray. All of these incredible experiences and friends that I keep with me now, they all came to my wedding. That side of things has opened up my life away from just being someone that spends their life sat in the mud looking at animals. And actually, since you mentioned Caroline there, Steve, I mean, her death it must have yeah. affected, I suppose, all of you that were on that season? It was desperate. It was desperate. You know, she was so, so happy when she was on Strictly. She was a phenomenal dancer and she was the centre of of the whole experience. She was a beautiful, bubbly personality um, and we never had any sign that anything might be wrong. And obviously, you know, she was... She was hounded by the press an awful lot, but then you know, so were a few other people on the crew as well. So we we didn't see it as being anything unique or unusual until afterwards. And then you know, it, it obviously is incredibly sad. Well, look, Steve Bachel, thank you so much for chatting to me this morning. Your show, Ocean, is going to be in the Three Olympia on the 10th of November and tickets are on sale right now on Ticketmaster and all the information is on mcd.ie. Thanks so much for chatting to me this morning, Steve. Thank you. That was lovely. Thank you very much.